You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast. If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. So today we went to the movies. We went to go and see Rogue One. A Star Wars story. A Star Wars story. Ah, Star Wars story. And we slapped together a review for you guys. As usual, uh, the first half is spoiler free. And then after the break, we come back for full spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want those spoilers, then don't go past the first half. Correct. Incidentally, um, the spoilers themselves are not horrible. The, as you'll see, the, our review is going to sort of give you a very good idea what to expect. And uh, we weren't really expecting to see the movie itself, um, but a window of opportunity presented itself. And because we love you guys, we ran in, saw it on the, on the fast track, and decided to get this episode together. So it would be ready what would be now the Monday following the premiere weekend. That's right. So check it out. It's uh, Rogue One Review with Richard and Jason. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. What I found so interesting is you go around, like, you know, the, the prop department, they got the weapons out, and there's your favorite gun from Star Wars, and then they show you a gun from World War II, and they're pretty much identical. And, like, everything, you know, even Han Solo's gun is pretty much a gun, like, from World War II era with a few things stuck on it. And, and that's what was brilliant about George is that, he knew that if you take something that's familiar and you just push it a bit left or right of where it's normally at, so you can't recognize it, but it still, you still instantly communicates what it has to, um, that's kind of what Star Wars is, is, is taking those things that we're all subconsciously familiar with and just giving them a twist so they feel exotic or futuristic. <laughs> Hello. As per usual. Hello. So. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's just us today. Um, but don't turn it off just yet. Uh, as we actually have some content of value. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be editing all of this out. Yeah. How's it going, Richard? It's going great, man. You? Better. Yeah. Better. I'm recovering from another 3D movie. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was brutal. It was, it was weird this time. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, uh, 3D people, but uh, I mean, you know, you hear the stories about people experiencing discomfort, etc. But somewhere around 40 minutes, maybe hmm. 30, 40 minutes, I started to have a sharp pain in the right side of my face. It's <laughs> never uh, a good sign. I could. It felt like you know when you go to the pool as a kid and you have those swimming goggles, mm-hmm. and then you try to yank them off too quickly. Right. And it almost sucks out one of your eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, it felt like that on one side. And I'm fairly certain it was the movie. I got uh, motion sickness for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Started yeah. feeling dizzy at a certain point. And same thing like when um, you have like first person shooters, but like where the motion tracking is not that 
not that smooth. Right. The frame rate maybe is not good. Like there's certain games that'll just set me off, and I'll you know I'll play them for like 20 minutes, and then just at the, you know, afterwards, you just, yeah, you just gotta close your eyes and <laughs> yeah, curl up in the fetal position. <clears throat> I think I really think I'm done with 3D. I think I'm done. Yeah, it doesn't maybe. add anything for me. Doesn't do it. Very rarely, anyways. Like I guess if you go see a movie that's kind of a, a visual spectacle, but in the sense that there are shots, hmm. right, that are carefully tailored for 3D, and then the whole idea is like, wow, gaze into the stars or mm-hmm. the ocean, and then there's this like peaceful kind of moment to like absorb all the all the data that's on the screen. Right. I can see the value there, almost like the way you would go on a Mars thing at the science theater, right? You would see the but an action film, which is already fairly jarring to watch in 2D, especially yeah. with the shaky cam, apparently not ready to, they're not ready to shelf that technique. No, they love the shaky cam. <laughs> we thought it was over in uh, like about 10 years ago, but mm. apparently it's back with a vengeance. Yeah, that combo. Shaky cam with, with gratuitous amounts of 3D. No, man. Uh, and like the, the the shots, like uh, they were like the really rapid fire shots. I, th- I found too. Right, the cutting the cutting was super hectic, yeah. which is justified by the film's premise, the the whole setting of it. Mm. But I just do not think it lends itself well to 3D at all. Yeah, just I'm I'm not a fan. No, not a fan of the 3D. We I are fans of Star it. Wars, though. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, the the look of the of of the movie was was great. It's yeah. just, I found myself looking forward to when I'm going to be able to watch this in 2D so I can actually see what the fuck's going on. I caught on. myself thinking the exact same thing. I'm yeah. like, wham, I can't wait to have this movie come into my brain without feeling like someone's hammering me, like one of my kids is punching me in the eye while I'm watching it. Right. It was it was uncomfortable. It, it sucked. And we were also like first, like first three rows of the imax agreed that's certainly so that might be a factor certainly but i mean uh i don't know i don't feel it would have been that much better up mm-hmm. there yeah you may be right well it's what's ironic is that i think that they they do the 3d in order to bring you into the story more but it ends up doing the opposite and making you like really aware of that you're watching a movie yeah you know it keeps pulling you out of the i think there's a problem the with it also with with the shooting style if you if you're shooting um, I, I don't know who the cinematographer is on this film, but um, if you're shooting a lot of close-ups, which is what they were doing, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of like, a lot of close-ups, a lot of medium shots, right? You're in the face of the actor. Um, the 3D not only doesn't do anything, it's kind of weird because like the film was made to look kind of gritty and it has the look and the feel of a war film, but in science fiction war film, essentially. Right. But then to have this super crisp, you know, nostril hair kind of definition is sort of contradictory. Mm. You end up just seeing like every flaw in the actor's face, which would have character at a at a comfortable vantage point. But now you're just like really in the person's fucking zone. Like you're you're really in their face. You're really up their nose in their ear. And I don't know if that helped this film film um, at all. Not not for me, but I don't know. Maybe we're just a couple of old guys and. Everyone else is super into the 3D thing. Old alert. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe we're just, we're over 30, so we're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, in know. any case, um, we're going to do what we usually do is uh, we're going to avoid spoilers um, for the first half mm-hmm. and then um, maybe get into the details a little bit. Yeah, sounds good. That format works pretty well. Yeah, I think so. So Star Wars, 
Rogue One, or actually, should we even be saying Star Wars? Is it just Rogue One, a Star Wars story, I think is the official title. Oh, is it really? I think that's the official title. Okay. Um, premiering so it's like this it's weekend. It's own story that's set in that universe sort of thing? Yeah, I think the idea, it's kind of confusing because you it kind of feels like they're going out of their way to not meddle with the with the main canon too much. Mm. But then again, the whole existence of this film was kind of latched on to a major plot line right. established in the previous films. Uh, which by this point, I don't think I'm spoiling by saying that. I think the oh. previews and stuff are pretty obvious. Yeah. Did you manage to avoid the, the trailer fuckery for this movie? Yeah, I didn't watch any of it. None of them? No. I watched like the first one and then I cut off. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Watch, that, that's my new rule. I don't I don't watch any trailer after the first like what is what do they call it? The teaser. Like the teaser. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty it's, it's a good it's a good thing. And and it's almost like the the hive mind knew that I wasn't I was avoiding them because they kept mm-hmm. going like watch 5 minutes of it right now. Here's two more minutes of it. Here's seven more minutes. I'm like, fuck off. Hmm. I want to see the movie when it comes out. Like, stop. Seriously. How, why do you need to sell this film? Who isn't sold on this? Right. Right? But it, it works. It works. I mean, they end up pissing off the people who are going to see the show, who are going to see the movie anyways. Right. But in the name of trying to get more people to, in into the theater. That's really the name of the game. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think we experienced this with all the superhero <clears throat> movies. We've talked about this factor before. Yeah. Okay. So the other, the other <coughs> thing is, once we actually got into the into the movie, this isn't the first time that we've run into this, where you have all the commercials at the beginning that's showing you trailers from the movie that you've been actively avoiding. You remember I, I, I actually you. put my fingers in my ear and went la 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 la. Yeah. La. Yeah. I saw you do that, <laughs> and I was almost there with you. I was just. But remember, I walked in and I told you like. Just before I went into the theater, yeah. somewhere a poster, I saw that there was a Gillette tie-in product for, for Rogue One. And I was like, "Be if you." that's general warning to anybody, by the way, yeah. listening to this. Yeah. If the movie you're going to see has a Gillette tie-in, prepare to have parts of the movie shown to you while you're fucking sitting down to watch the movie. Yeah, exactly. This is the new madness that has, has now occurred. <laughs> like, what the possible possible use of that could be at that like what am i going to run out of the theater yeah, exactly. grab three people out of the room and, yeah. and and pull them back it was sold out and you you already have your money you already have my money at that point like you have my money you? i'm sitting here i'm here ready to watch the movie there's no more room the whole theater has been sold out hmm. why are you telling me that imax is the best experience in the world and i have to listen to this obnoxious fucking ad right uh, why are you playing quiz games with what appeared to be plot elements from the movie or their their characters, like which character did this? You're like, I haven't seen the movie yet. No, they were doing a behind the scenes. Oh, behind the scenes. Yeah. That was it. They're showing us behind the scenes. Who wants to see like how they made all of the stuff that you're about to see? That defeats the the purpose. Like you would want to see that after the fact, but like, let's show you how they do all the magic tricks before you go to the magic show. It, it, this Fuck just, you. It, it, at this point, I cannot believe that there is a bottom line business decision behind this. This has to be just plain fuckery. This I, just I has to be plain fuckery on behalf of the theater. Someone's not actually reviewing the material beforehand. This yeah. is how like uh, sausage party trailers ended up in kids kids theaters. Oh yeah, that's and true. like caused kids kids to cry because some fucking idiot didn't like. Oh, it's a animated film. Yeah. All animated films are for kids. Right. This one definitely was not. Seriously. 
Yeah, and it's the same thing when we went to see uh, Man of Steel. Yeah, that's why we first noticed it, I think. Yeah. The weirdness of... And it was Gillette again. Goddamn Gillette with their yeah. goddamn razors. Showing you all the best parts of the movie. And then, like, what razor does Superman use? Right. Little did we know they would be the best parts of the movie. We thought there was an actual movie there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we found out we were even more angry that... Uh, yeah, no, it I just... I think I preferred the Gillette commercial to the movie. Probably. <laughs> yeah, there was, it was low on disappointment. And I understood what they were talking about. Hmm. And delivered its message. That's right. There was a clear plot. It's a clear plot. It ended. It was short, hmm. mercifully short. Right. Which uh, Rogue One was not. I didn't clock it, but I had to be over two and a half hours. It was long. It felt yeah. long. Well, it's, I mean, there was a lot of fuckery before the movie, though. Like the it started at four twenty. What's up? And yeah. uh, <laughs> it finished at like seven something. Yeah. Like just about seven o'clock, yeah, close to seven o'clock. And you're right. I mean, we could have just shown up, you know, half hour into this thing and not missed a goddamn thing. Hmm. And those quizzes with the with the cell phones, with those soulless, shill like <laughs> actors that the they, robot. What was his name? Tanner. Tanner, I think. Yeah. Tanner. Tanner Chipshaw or Ching Sheng Shaw. I took a picture. So. Whatever the fuck his name was. Yeah, Richard was so pissed that he just started taking pictures of the actual <laughs> IMAX screen with the stupid <laughs> quiz games and the stupid ads and the stupid product placements where like the same guy feeding you the bullshit behind the scenes quiz is in the next ad shilling, uh, what was it, the source products uh, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Get your new Samsung tablet. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Which character played? Oh, my God. I just, I don't know. I think maybe we are old, man. I think this is it. I think maybe. we've reached the threshold where we can just not stand. <laughs> Fuck the world. <laughs> White power. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's an inside joke, everybody. I'm not actually a white supremacist. So, yeah. Okay. Maybe we can do this a bit the same way we did for, uh, for some of our other reviews. Did you have any expectations? Not really. No, I just expected it to be like a roller coaster ride. Okay. And I felt after seeing the last Star Wars that they would probably get the feel right, which I think they did. Yeah, certainly. I mean, this was clearly another point of view. Yeah. Right. This was to me a very much a video game generation interpretation of Star Wars. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the visuals, the it felt very like you said, first person shootery. Right. Maybe that's why I got a little bit nauseous. <laughs> yeah, it was a very much a first person shooter. It's it it was very reminiscent of. Um, it's kind of weird, right? Because what happens is like if you look at a game like Battlefront, which has been around for a while, but it's now only reached really the like the peak of excellence on on platforms like PS4 and whatever, mm-hmm. where you really are in the shit. Like you can go. To be clear, this game allows you to jump into any soldier or any vehicle driver and kind of be part of the, these huge engagements and these fights in the Star Wars uh, story, saga, universe. It kind of felt like somebody clearly had at least that reference. Hmm. But I guess, I don't know. I mean, when it was announced, were you like, oh, cool. I want to know what happened with the spies or what hooked you? Not really. No, no, nothing about it was interesting to me. Okay. Except really? for the Star Wars. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh it's a Star Wars thing. So okay. everyone else seems to be interested about it. I just kind of waited. I didn't watch any of the trailers. 
aside from the teaser. And then I kind of just put it aside, waited for people who know Star Wars better than I do to say whether it was good or not. And then when start, people started saying that, some people were saying that they thought it was the best Star Wars they've ever seen, like the best of, of all of them. I don't know if I necessarily share that opinion, but well, if they're saying that, that usually means that it's you know definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be the detractors and there's going to be the, the, the people who are going to be on board and want the movie to win. It's currently at sitting at 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Which means that it had a pretty solid 8.3 type of 8.4 kind of rating across the board. Uh, I mean, it's early. This is the first weekend that might go up, that might go down. We don't know yet. But uh, I remember kind of thinking when, when it was first announced, I was like, who asked for this movie? Right. Not that I begrudge Disney for, you know, uh, cashing in on their $4 billion purchase. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an appetite for more stories from that universe. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We've had to subsist like 20 years on the originals, then wait another 10 years or whatever and get like three awful ones that just soured the milk like a motherfucker. Right. And then a last-ditch attempt to pull it out of the muck with uh, Force Awakens. So it was not, yeah, I mean, nobody here was foolish enough to think Disney wasn't going to go to town on the on the right. license. And and ride, ride the coattails of, of that success, too. It's like, quit, the door's open, go, go, yeah. go, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, I don't begrudge them for doing it. I don't know why they picked this story. I don't know why mm. they picked this story. I don't know why... It's a cool discussion to have between Star Wars fans. Like, hey, remember that line in The Crawl in New Hope where they say, uh, thanks to uh, the, the sacrifice of a small band, they got the plans or whatever? Mm. Hey, what if that was a short story? Yeah, why not? I didn't see the utility of it. Right. Um, but I wasn't opposed to it. I was like, no, 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 nobody sees this, needs to see this movie. I was just like, no, okay, whatever. When I start to see like kind of the footage and the look of it and how it's going to be kind of like a rebel, grimy, um, imp- Mission Impossible situation, I said to myself, okay, maybe there's something to this. The casting of Donnie Yen concerned me because I like Donnie Yen very much, but he's not exactly like, he doesn't, whenever they let like a martial arts star <coughs> or a rapper into a film. Right. It's usually like a bad sign. Usually means fuckery. Hmm. Well, I mean the the whole idea of the of the Force, um, Jedi's, and that whole bit. It's it's very Asian, right? It's very kind of samurai, kung fu sort of uh-huh. stuff, right? Well, it's directly lifted from it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it. I thought it was. I thought it was brilliant. I mean, I don't know what kind of an actor the guy is. He was in It Men. Yeah, no, Donnie Yen is a is a super celebrated actor. Like, yeah. I mean, he's a, but he's a martial arts actor, right? Right. Um, so he'll do the Ip Man's and he'll do the flying swordsman type stuff with mm-hmm. that Jackie Chan used to do. Right, he's a real deal. But if you just kind of pop him in there as a part of a cast, it it, it does have a weird kind of imbalancing effect, especially since all all the other ones are unknown. Right. And then Forrest Whitaker had a kind of a weird role in this movie mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i don't know that's basically it but they oh. that darth maul guy 
he was a martial artist as well, right? Yes. He, he just didn't say much. Correct. That's the thing. That's the that's the trick. Is just don't don't say much. Yeah, but I mean, the martial arts thing was kind of in at that period of of our time, like the early two thousands. Right. People cared about about martial arts choreographies, so Ray Park was like a big deal. Right. But now, but that's like, a that's a big thing with light, lightsaber duels. Right. You want to have some some good choreography. I think that was arguably the best part of the prequels. Possibly, although I thought it was silly. But anyway, that, that, that that's another conversation for another okay. time. But uh, okay, so overall, would you say you were satisfied? Do do you think yeah. this movie uh, merits its eight point three? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought it was very enjoyable. And uh, the only thing that I, I was a little bit surprised about was how um, not kid friendly it was. Oh yeah, like, it was right. violent as shit. Yeah, like, there was just bodies dropping everywhere. <laughs> you know, falling from the sky, and because they're in storm trooper gear and there's not a lot of blood or anything and maybe it's not as brutal but still like the, i would be interested to know what the body count was someone's someone's uploading a video to youtube right now right yeah yeah for where sure. they're, they're counting all the they've counted all the bodies yeah it was uh if you remove all the star wars costumes this was like a slaughter yeah it's a war movie it was hardcore yeah and mm-hmm. i think that's where i got the feeling that this came from kind of from the video game from the battlefront. Right. And that's why they showed us the Dunkirk uh, preview. Oh, God. I forgot about that. <laughs> so in addition to all of this preview fuckery that we could, like, was driving us crazy, they randomly decided to show a full five pointless, I might add, pointless minutes of Dunkirk, which is Chris Nolan's next movie. Uh, I said that like I know him personally. Like, yeah, it's Chris's next movie. Yeah, you know, Chris. You know, Chris. Uh, but it was I worth like it. crazy Chris. I, I was the the as pointless as the those five minutes of previewing were, they were worth it for one simple thing, is a shot of Tom Hardy, piloting a World War Two plane, <laughs> and he puts on like the aviator's mask, yeah, and you immediately it immediately summons every parody of, of Bane, Bane from the Batman movies, <laughs> and I still couldn't understand what the fuck he said. And that it's like Chris Nolan's just got either either Tom Hardy has some sort of like uh, impossible to mic a guy like he's got some kind of weird voice that comes out of his ears or something, mm-hmm. or Christopher Nolan cannot figure out how to mic this guy. Yeah, it's weird. And the last time we saw like a forced five minutes of of a movie was also a Nolan film, and it was. That exact film. It was Bane on, on screen. And, uh, Batman. Was Batman Rises? Or Dark Knight yeah. Rises? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was. I think you're right. Yeah. Maybe it's just like a Nolan thing. Like, I'm just going to make you watch the first five minutes of my It's so movie. arrogant. And, and it's so pretentious to do that, in my yeah. eyes, anyway. Maybe they're just like, like they, don't, they don't know if they want to see it. But once they see five minutes of it, they won't be able to resist. That's, that's the hook. It's so strange. Because it's not like... He isn't a celebrated top name. Hmm. People are going to go see his movies. Right. And he's kind of like the director that Hollywood likes to keep around so they could feel that it's still smart, even at the mainstream level. Hmm. Like, yes, we make intellectual films about history and causality and man versus nature. He's like kind of like token go-to highbrow guy. But yeah, that was very weird. It It looked okay, though. Well, I mean, it's going to be a war film. 
Right. I, I personally have, I think I've also reached my limit of war films. Mm. Like the, the, the cliches are just, there's going to be the holding your dead friend who, who blew up two seconds ago, but he's always got enough in him just to give you one more inspirational bit of heartbreaking right. dialogue. <laughs> when his face is burned off, like right. fight, keep fighting. Jenny, I love her. (laughs) Never surrender. (laughs) You know, and like when I see that coming, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Mm. Then there's the. You were always the best of us. (laughs) (laughs) There's the. We left. We don't leave anyone behind. You know, with the wounded guy Mm -hmm. who didn't make run through the pass fast enough. Right. And I'm like, we got to go. No. And then you go back and carry him on your shoulder. That whole fucking trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ever since Saving Private Ryan, the whole idea of of like one guy goes down, the other guy goes to help him, and he gets it in the face too. Are you thinking of Shaving Ryan's Privates? Definitely not thinking of Shaving <laughs> Ryan's Privates. <laughs> we talking about the other day it was like porn parodies. Yes, was it that is? Yes, yeah. That's the porn parody <laughs> name of the. Yeah. I don't know anyone that's actually seen it, but I think no. the name alone was. Uh, but anyways, like if you've seen it, drop us a line. Drop us a line. At white power, <laughs> at no, but um, I I think once again this might fall under the we're too old or we've seen too many of these films um, that these cliches are kind of like been there, done that, mm, maybe, and <clears throat> just exploding things has a limit to its appeal. You know, and then you're going to say, well, okay, then give us a story with the war. Like, yeah, you need to care about the sides. Here they had the benefit of not having to really explain the the why. Right? They didn't need to justify right. this. We knew we we're going to get the Empire. We're going to get the Rebels or something like the Rebels. And we knew what the stakes were to a certain degree. And I think that's ultimately the other th- concern I had when I first heard about this film. I was like, we know how this ends. Right. This is like Gotham, the TV show. Like, mm-hmm. what are there's no none of the main characters can die. The prequel, prequel stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gordon can't die. Catwoman can't die. Mm-hmm. Penguin can't die, etc. Yeah. Right? All right. they can all they can do is kill off like second rate, invented people in the show that we don't give a real shit about. Right? Right. So again, here been number two. No. no. Yeah. Or here's uh, this thing they did in Gotham where they had a character that everyone thought was going to be the Joker, mm. but then he ends up just being some guy who oh, really? ostensibly will will inspire the, the real Joker. I don't know what the fuck they were going for there. Okay. But they spent like five episodes really, you know, this Hinting. guy was just hamming it up and laughing and doing the <laughs> and the whole thing. And he looked like the part and everything and then didn't just kill him. <laughs> and he's got a stupid grin on his face. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here, but my point is, is that um, There's, there wasn't that give a shit factor. I wasn't particularly. I think I wanted to see it because I have a huge fetish for the imperial stuff. I have this, you know, and the, imp, the everybody does too. Everybody loves mm-hmm. the imperial stuff, which mm-hmm. is, by the way, a metaphor for like the Nazi stuff. Right. That's an uncomfortable admission, right? But mm-hmm. the Nazis, you know, were styling. They had a look to them. 
a look right. that's kind of been burned into our brain as the uh, jackbooted kind of force of evil. But they're slick and they have dark gray hallways with neon lights and the whole look of the imperial stuff i always thought was badass for sure and that i mean that's part of our culture at this point yeah so if you want to like non-verbally indicate that these guys are evil make them look quasi-nazi quasi-nazi like exactly it's kind of become like an association and then it's a nice contrast with the earthy patchworkness of the rebellion that has to cobble together stuff right and fight the desperate fight against this huge um army with a better decorator a more consistent decorator right and cool slick glossy ships and glossy armors and stuff like that so when i saw in the trailer that the main character Jin, i think her name is um was wearing like um what appeared to be a some sort of trooper armor right um, i was like hey cool they're gonna kind of like go undercover and dress as imperials and infiltrate what I thought would have been the Death Star or something. Jin Urso. Jin Urso, that's it. And, uh, you know, I was like, I got to see this thing. I got to see it. Uh, I wasn't really planning on seeing it right on the premiere weekend, but uh, a, a friend of mine was, went to see it on the premiere, and he was like, dude, go, go, go Yeah, see he it. loved it. He loved the shit out of it. Hmm. Okay, so we, neither of us, I think, we're like dying to see this film, but we were certainly huh. interested. Yeah, sure. Um, Star Wars universe is always a good time. Yeah. It's not th- always a good time, but always has the promise of a good time. I think so. Definitely the promise. I, I can't imagine how it must be for uh, George Lucas at this point to have, to just continually see other people take a crack at it and do a better job than he did. Oh shit! Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> like I just at some, I think he's probably just gone into seclusion at this point. Yeah, just constantly mumbling under the breath, like bitches. It's the worst nightmare. It's the worst nightmare I think for a guy because his life was consumed by Star Wars, and then they had to take it away from him. Right. Right. They had to take it away from him because he he was he ruined it was ruining his own. He was always, I always got the impression he was sort of up on his high horse about like, well, you don't know what's best for Star Wars. I know what's best for Star Wars, you know, acting as though it wasn't some kind of like, no, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm a prophet. Every single time he, he took a crack at it, you got the impression that he more and more, we got the impression that he never knew what was cool about it. Right. He did a bunch of cool things, but he never understood really what it is that we liked about those movies because mm. he kept coming back and reinforcing the all the stuff we didn't want to see. Right. And then we tell him again, you know, and then he doubled down again on the stuff that we hated. Yeah. So, I know what's best for you. You right. don't know what's best for you. So now... You're going to love it. Trust me. <laughs> Swallow it. Swallow it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so much better when you don't fight. This is, getting, ha- this is getting really happen. creepy. This is getting cringy. <laughs> this is getting very, uh, very weird. <laughs> that was a line from Last Boys. It wasn't mine, but that's okay. Well, anyway, the, the, the thing is, is that this is basically his life now. He's going to be sitting there on his fortune, on his throne, and he's probably just cramming back Krispy Kreme donuts and in self-loathing as all these people that were born around the time he made the movies hmm. are giving it a better shot did they even try to include him on uh 
awaken yes as an executive producer or something and then he just they had to ask him to leave at some point pretty much yeah yeah yeah. he came in and he thought he didn't realize that it was an honorary position Mm. they get i have some ideas and i'm like they kind of had to tell him sorry george like we're kind of taking this in another direction okay well uh what about no i'm sorry george like i mean you're here but like he just didn't get it Mm. it's kind of like when you get i guess um voted out of your own company right you like they still have the big big chair for you at the end of the table but right and then they humor you but the rest of the board is kind of running your company and mm. they let you chime in every once in a while so you can feel that this is still your baby so he wasn't involved at all with this one right i don't think so no i don't think so i doubt it because i don't think he would have gone for any of this hmm. um and as, as directors and, and creators get older, too, there's always that thing of wanting to make one for the kids. Right. Which I understand the compulsion to do that. You, mm-hmm. you want to make one for the kids. Or you actors do it, too. They'll star in stupid Disney movies, you know, so that their kids can watch some of their work. Sure. But it's never generally good for the product. Right. Right. So <clears throat> uh, in terms of, let's see, performances... How would you rate it? Very, very high. I thought the actors that they had, they were, they were great. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really see any issue with it. I don't, I can't think of anyone that, that stunk. No, I don't think so. And that's already a huge plus these days. Mm-hmm. It appears that, you know, just being able to like have a cast and everyone's kind of on point. And for the most part, like decent dialogue, you know? Yes. Predictable at times, of course, but I mean, it's, it's normal. Yeah, not nauseating. Yeah. No, no, like, uh, long speeches. Um, nothing too, nothing too weird. Nothing stuck out to me, I think, as being horrible. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack was pretty cool. It was in keeping with the Star Wars style. Yeah. Uh, the sound treatment was excellent. Really, really good. I really picked up on that. The sound was top notch. Special effects. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, um, you know, a little bit, um, how should I put it? Well, it was a lot, as you put it earlier. Right. Right. It was overwhelming at times, mm-hmm. but certainly uh, very eye-popping visuals and cool gadgets. I kept I kept staring at this. I realized that there's this costume choice thing that maybe was always there, but I've just picked up on it now. Is it the pens? Yes. Ah, the same thing with me. I was I was staring at the pens. I'm like, what the fuck are the pens? I don't know what if they're pens or... Well, so to be clear... All of the um, costumes have these little pockets, either on the shoulders or on the breast pocket. Mm-hmm. And they're essentially what looks to be little screwdrivers or little right. pens or whatever. And then at first it was subtle because like it made sense to have like technical, like like pilots and stuff have this shit on them. But then there's the scene where um, one of the major characters is wearing essentially ceremonial, like diplomat. Yeah, diplomatic kind of clothing, but then right up in your face, like where the cloak clasp, there's those three of those little pen things. Pen things and, it, and it was just like, it seemed weird to me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a sonic screwdriver or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> somebody went to, t- somebody was really into those things anyway. Yeah. Because they were on everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, what else? Ship battle stuff. Cool. Great. It was on point. Mm-hmm. I think they went 
out of their way to kind of uh, match. Because, I mean, the, the big challenge here was that they had to make it impressive visually without completely overruling the technology of the original films. Right. right. So they kind of had to fit. Yeah, no, it was very, it was, it was very fitting, I, yeah. I found. And even just like the, the different types of shots and the, the, the techniques that we've, you know, like the, the military techniques that we saw from, from the rebellion in previous films like, were respected as well. Like it was very, uh, very similar. Yeah, the uniforms were were kind of there. Um, the the equipment, the the whole look of it, I think, yeah, was definitely cool. I think they're starting to find a formula at this point. So I'd, I'd be a little concerned that it was going to be like too many of these, but um, but I, I was very happy with what with what I saw. Yeah. So um, this maybe falls under the category of spoiler, but. Um, Everyone remembers the kind of iconic shot of Yavin 4, Rebel Base, where where like the whenever the ships take off or land, they'll cut to this guy who's in, perched up in kind of this weird pole, and he's just <laughs> yeah. pointing at the sky, doing God knows what. And there seems to be no clear way to get down from this thing. Right. <laughs> and comically enough, in the film, they they cut back to that for a guy in the in the sort of perch and he's not doing his whole pointing at the sky with the targeting thing or whatever it is he's doing <laughs> and it li- really looked I, I i leaned over to richard and i literally looked like the guy was on his break but you don't get to come down <laughs> you have to stay up there for your whole shift and he's just sort of like his arms are down and he seems like sad or tired <laughs> it'd be great if he was like just like looking over the edge like Trying to figure out how to get down. <laughs> <laughs> did they? Did they know I'm up here, guys? <laughs> guys? Guys? But it's part of this. Uh, uh, it's part of this whole um, uh, sort of um, ideology. Not ideology. It's part of this whole a bunch of gimmicks that are in this video that I saw earlier uh, um, called uh, "The Era of Passable Films" or something. I'll put a link to it, where they show how there's these great bunch of um, film tropes that would never happen in real life but that we've accepted as things that are normal right like the uh, the best example of this is like the genius that starts to write on the window to figure out the formula right where like that's something that's a thing that's super common right or somebody saying something to you uh, like you have a something that like the house thing where you don't know what the answer is to the sickness and somebody says like well, you know, it's all apples and oranges. Apples and oranges. Apples and oranges. You're a genius. And you and grab them and kiss them on the lips and, and you, then run out. Yeah, you run and <laughs> you figure out the problem. Right? So there's all these little tropes that are really great, which are completely meaningless. But it never would happen in real life. Mm. But they're cinema language that we've we've acquired. And filmmakers, to a fault, I would say, to the point of laziness, are kind of just... Singing to us in that lingo, yeah, and therefore creating like a, a genre of passable films, where all the right keys are hit. The film is not going to be extraordinary, but you won't will we'll leave like satiated. Like you'll just got you you got your fix. You right. can't tell whether you were happy or sad, just that you weren't to- totally really upset. And and as as and as time goes by, you're like that movie didn't really mean that much to me. Hmm. I feel like maybe that's a little bit how I feel about Rogue One. 
Interesting. Right? Like, I don't feel bad about it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I didn't feel like, I didn't like jump up and at the end going like, fuck yeah. Right. Yeah. I wasn't that invested. Definitely. It was more like a, a thrill ride than anything else. Like, I didn't. I didn't feel like I was going back to childhood as much as let's say uh right force awakens or covering new territory right yeah. right because they couldn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> really yeah that's true they couldn't really do anything new no why does she get a blaster and i don't what i know how to use it that's what i'm afraid of give it to me we're going to Jeddah. that's a war zone that's not the point of <laughs> Where'd you get it? I found it. I find that answer vague and unconvincing. Trust goes both ways. You're letting her keep it. Would you like to know the probability of her using it against you? It's high. Let's get going. It's very high. So this is part two, and uh, this is going to have some spoilers. Spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler alert. Um, I don't know to what extent we can spoil this film because there's not really anything to spoil, is there? Apart from the um, minutia of the plot. Yeah. But uh, we can sort of discuss a couple of things. Uh, of course, the big... The big uh, sort of tease or the big like ooh moment, I think, for a lot of people was when they found out that Darth Vader was going to be making a, an appearance. Mm. And I think he certainly did make an appearance or two uh, in this film. Yeah. Did it feel, uh, how did it feel for you? Um, well, the fight sequence was, was pretty badass, mm -hmm. but it felt like something out of a video game a little bit. And... Um, I'm surprised they, they, they got the helmet wrong. How the fuck did that happen? That was the biggest thing. So it looks like, and we kind of discussed this, the, it looks like somebody cosplaying Darth Vader. A little bit, yeah. Which is completely, completely mind-boggling in, in light of how accurate they were with the detail otherwise. Unless I'm, I'm remembering it wrong. No, no, because no. they kept showing him and we kept looking at each other. It first looks like the helmet is off. Yeah. Around the neck area, yeah, and, and we're it's too not big. we're not like purists, no, we're not like oh there was supposed to be one red and two blue buttons on his chest, and they got it wrong, you know it's not some no. sort of nerd alert thing here. It's like no, they they put a legit like double chin on his fucking helmet. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> the I don't know if this was maybe because they did they put David Prowse in there? Did they put the original guy in the suit? I don't know. I and feel like we should know this. We should look this up. I'll let you look it up. Um, yeah, it, it, it just seemed weird. I mean, okay, we can really nitpick here and go that uh, the way he moved was a little bit off. Mm -hmm. He seemed a little too uh, too fluid. And uh, it seemed like a lot of the reasons for Darth Vader or Vader being there were kind of more for a, um, effect. Than Spencer Wilding? Spencer Welding. Okay. I don't know who you are. Oh. You do have jowls, however. So maybe that's the reason. But yeah, where the the neck meets the mask, the bottom of the mask, it was really bulbous and strange mm -hmm. and off. And the top of the helmet, it looked like 
like it was like you know when you put on a hat and you pull it in too deep, like the helmet didn't sit quite right on his head. Right. Uh, it was a sort of like sunken in, and he was wearing like a, a different design of gloves than we've ever seen Vader wear. So it was like an up, they updated that part of his costume. Uh, it was very strange. Oh, there's a, there's an article here. It says Darth Vader's armor in Rogue One sparks new controversy amongst Star Wars yeah, fans. Here we go. Okay. Yeah, so what sure. are they saying? I don't. Know, but like the autocomplete on on Google is like uh, Rogue One Vader helmet gap was like just came up like immediately. Right. No, I, we cannot have been the only ones to notice it. Yeah. Um, is there any information in terms of? I don't know, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it was definitely not right, and it's particularly strange in light of how the attention to detail was otherwise really precise. I mean, if Very you look, precise, you look yeah. at the the X-wing fighter uniforms; they even made them like chipped. The X-wings themselves were like kind of um, battle hardened, and the even the Mon, Mon Calamari aliens and the, the the capital ships of the rebellion. Everybody seemed on point. Um, the troopers, I mean, no, apart from introducing a couple of new types of troopers that we haven't seen before, um, again, it all, it all seemed to be the original stormtroopers looked apart. So I'm I'm really really confused as to how they fucked up the Vader costume. Um, Darth Armorgate is like <laughs> Armorgate <laughs> is a Twitter hashtag that was going on. Makes at some sense. Point. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, if if you and I who are not like um, uh, you know obsessive fans mm. were like, what the fuck? Then you can only imagine what the purists are doing. They must be having a field day with it. It almost it almost felt like it was added in after the fact. Like, what was added in after the fact? The Vader stuff. Because the shot, yeah. all the scenes he were in were very different from the look of the movie. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Like they so. had that very CG'd shot of him in the back to tank or whatever, mm-hmm. where he's getting like a bath. He's in, the, in his bath, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Right. Vader in his bath. Every, we've always wanted to see that. We're always mm. curious how he bathes, right? And then a really over-the-top reveal with light and shadow and everything and this opulence and the super evil looking base hmm. where Vader hangs out. And it, it clashed a bit for me with the rest. Well, they had to use Vader sparingly. That's for sure. It's that's, that's dangerous. That's, yeah. I think it was you who was saying that like, that's the redeeming quality of the prequels is that they didn't fuck with Vader too much. There was just that like one scene at the end. Like the, yeah. <laughs> and cream crossing his arms and looking out at the assembly of the death star. Right. And that's almost strangely the only thing they got right um, about him. Right. But here it seemed very inserted. I mean, the bad guy here, whose whose name escapes me now, but the the character of this uh, sort of I guess he's a director. He's not really a. It, it was weird. He he's kind of a a high ranking officer, but there's no one else wearing his type of uniform. Right. So I know what the reference was, though. I know that the white uniform is kind of um, um, a nod to a fanfic or what used to be canon char- okay. character who was like a chiss. The, they're these blue-skinned humanoids with red, burning red eyes. Okay. And he was kind of the inheritor of the Empire after the Emperor and Vader get nixed. 
Okay. So that's how they kept going, the aftermath with, like, Leia's kids and mm. all that continuity, which was effectively dis- disavowed, or I should say, you know, nullified right. when they started doing the movies again. So he was kind of a nod to that, but it wasn't clear what where he was in the hierarchy. Hmm. He clearly had power because he was walking around with his own personal guard. Um, but we didn't really get a story. We didn't really get a a background on this guy. We never find out who he is. He's just pure evil. Right. Well, kind of a sniveling coward evil, though. A little bit. A little bit. But he does go... He tries to finish the job himself at the end. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was kind of... Uh, he looked awesome. Yeah. The thing with the cape. Even though the cape looked kind of cheap. Mm. Was that just me? I didn't really notice. He had this like pristine uniform, but then he was wearing the equivalent of like a hospital gown over his <laughs> his uniform. And uh, it wasn't clear because he's supposed to be kind of afraid, but he's like walking up to Vader and it all felt gratuitous at that point to me. Mm. I, I, I don't have the feeling that the original script included scenes with Vader. Yeah, maybe not. And if they did, they would have been a little bit like that um, DS9 episode where they uh, go back in time and they end up in a original Star Trek episode. Right, right. Which is the way to do it. Yeah. You use original footage, if you can, mm-hmm. or you sort of have the character um, waiting to see the the boss or whatever, and you Vader just walks by and you just kind of, everyone's shitting their pants as the big bad Vader walks by, but you don't get any interaction with him. Right. So, but yeah, the movie would have worked without Vader. Completely. Yeah. I think there's a couple of characters that it would have worked without now that I think about it. Mm. Forrest Whitaker's character. Yeah. We don't know anything about him. Nothing. We, we don't understand what the thing with the armor is, who he was to Jin's parents, why he was like a trusted associate of theirs. Hmm. There seemed to suggest that there was a prior history. To well, he was part of the rebellion, and I guess they were associated with the rebellion as well. Yeah, but then he went out on his own, but we don't know why he became a fanatic. Hmm. We don't know. Because he became too militant, I think is what they said, or something like that. Okay, which doesn't make sense, because, I mean, at this point, the rebellion is fully engaged in hmm. terrorist uh, activities. Yeah. But his... But still kind of sheepish. Yeah, maybe their not, commitment to the, not fully committed to the yeah. fight yet. But at, at the beginning, at the very first scene, when the parents are trying to, like he's trying to hide his wife and kid, hmm. they're talking to him. And there seems to even be a suggestion that um, the the mother was somehow, they had, like the evil guy, had a previous knowledge of her. Right. Because when she decides to shoot him, everyone seems to know that, ah, she's trouble. He even says something like that. You were always trouble, or well, there was a flashback to like something that happened before, and they were they were like uh, the father was in uniform and put the kid to bed and put you into bed. Oh right, you know when she was and tiny. They're all in the same room, and they they obviously knew each other. Right, but there's just this whole missing piece of how did the father get away from the empire in the first place? Right, and um, what was the mother's game plan there? Yeah, they hit her, but they. What, what, what was the point of her coming back with the gun? Yeah, I, I don't know. It was very strange. Very strange. Like, you can't take him, but what? You're, she's going to stop, like, five shadow troopers? Hmm. It's very strange. 
or strange in a way that we felt like I felt there was more to this story. Right. But well, I think she wanted to take out like the the head dude. Right. But she wasn't able to kill him. Or, I don't know. She just hesitated. It's very strange for the for the dialogue. Right. It was let's, kind let's of talk like about it. Yeah. Let's make it dramatic. So. Let's see her get her her mom killed to properly motivate her. Hmm. And again, it seems like um, the part where she was under Forrest Whitaker's character's care and hardened into this like mercenary. Yeah, that seems to be like I feel like that's on the cutting room floor somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Like we get to see a little bit of her training or her evolution. We get to see maybe why Whitaker's character becomes such an extremist. Mm-hmm. And uh, when how he breaks with the uh, rebellion, so maybe there was more to this, and it just got chopped up. Hmm. But if you remove his character, it almost doesn't affect the film. No. Um, if you remove uh, Donnie Yen's character, it kind of doesn't really affect things as much. We're not even sure. It was like kind of a nod to the force, but not really. Yeah, I think I, I think that's what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to fill the, the the gap in the story, which is the the Jedi. There was no Jedi, right? So at least there's somebody who's focused on the, the Force user. Yeah, but not a not Jedi. Force user, a monk of some type. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, there was just some stuff there that led to effectively like a v- relatively thinly thinly developed cast of characters yeah all very good actors yeah yeah yeah. i know they did a great job but you're right there's not a lot of backstory going on no and you could say well well it was necessary because it was kind of a one-way mission Mm -hmm. you can say all that stuff but then once again if we know how the story ends we know that the plans get to the rebellion we know that luke skywalker blows up the fucking thing then at this point i need something to be invested in right if it's not the characters, then what is it? Exactly. Yeah. I need to know that the villain is more than just a villain. Mm-hmm. I need to know what his motivations are. Why is he so hell-bent on this planet destroyer? Right. Right. Uh, is he really by this whole, like, we're going to bring order to the galaxy, or is he just a despot? And he sees his opportunity here to jockey into position. Mm-hmm. A little scene or two about his own personal stake in this might have helped that yeah because he cut like an impressive figure he cuts like a menacing figure you certainly feel that he's somebody but then they alternated between making him look like he was in charge of stuff and then kind of cut off at the knees by tarkin and that bothered you right the the tarkin yeah the cg yeah tarkin and, and leia the cg versions it's not quite right it's no. not quite right where they lose it is the is the mouth and the teeth, you know, it's the same thing when you watch cutscenes and video games. Like it's just it's not quite there. You know, yeah, those, little, Valley. Yeah. those micro expressions aren't aren't there. So it's just it's odd. Yeah. You know, like I think they could have accomplished the same thing without having full view of their mouth as their Definitely the, the cutting cutting here and camera tricks could mm-hmm. have, I think, uh, reduced the amount of <clears throat> sort of disbelief. With Leia, I th- well, with Tarkin, you kind of get used to it, but they keep him somewhat semi-shrouded. Yeah. So, like, the effect is not that bad. But when you see kind of Leia... In a brightly lit room. Super brightly lit room. And they get her to talk. Suddenly, you're in Pixar land. You're, you're, you're watching... Uh, yeah. 
um, it, it's it's definitely jarring. Yeah, I'm very aware that I'm watching a CGI person. Clearly, yeah. So at that point, and I think there would have been more of a value to just the way that I suggested that you know you want to see maybe Vader shadow or vader's form kind of pass by and everyone's terrified of him Mm. the same way you kind of want to see the shoulder and the back and you don't need to reveal right that's just a special effects gratuitousness (laughs) we know who that is right no one dresses like leia no one dresses like vader we know who they are yeah it did feel a little gratuitous so it was kind of more like check out what we can do Mm mm-hmm with special effects but you know considering how they they messed with that in the in the prequels and it's aged so badly you know you'd think they they would be wary of using that kind of technology yeah that that doesn't make sense to me yeah i think that that was a poor decision because as as much as uh it looks unrealistic now in a few years it's just going to make the movie age yeah badly every year that goes by yeah that defect is going to look rubberier and rubbery or yeah. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it, like, I don't know if you've tried watching the Sam Raimi Spider-Man any, like recently. No, but I've I've seen some clips and it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. It, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts, you know. But that's okay because they can reboot Spider-Man every 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and they will. And they will. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, they yes, will. they will. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, in terms of plot holes, I don't see, I didn't see any. Um, it it felt like a lot of those formulas in place where you just kind of um, they assume that you would expect uh, they assume that you would understand the connection. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, my favorite character by far was the the droid. Yeah. Um, the, the repurposed droid. Uh-huh. Right there, super interesting character. Alan Tudyk, I think, is the name of the guy from uh, Serenity. Right. Who did the uh, the voice? Yeah. He was suitably funny. I'm a leaf on the wind. I'm a leaf on the wind, yeah. And he had these book? really... No, not book. What was his name? Oh, I forget. Firefly. That's going to bother me now. <laughs> We're going to have to look it up. Uh, uh, book is dead. Yeah, yeah, I away. saw that. Yeah. Wash. Wash. Yeah, that was it. That's right. Oh, you're faster than Google. Good um, you, yes, for now. <laughs> not that old after all. Hmm. But... I think the droid was a success in a, on a couple of levels. First, he had the puppet comedy mm-hmm. effect where you're not expecting these human-type uh, lines to come out of a machine, and then you've got the big eyes and the kind of comical-looking build yeah. to provide the relief. But at the same time, they timed the dialogue with the body movements kind of well. Yeah, yeah, they did, did a great job. That was easily, for me, the most enjoyable yeah, I think he had pretty much all of the comedy of the movie. Pretty much. Yeah. And again, I felt like there was stuff missing. Hmm. Like there was more scenes with him. Maybe. Or there was a maybe even a flashback to how he got repurposed because I was I was kept found myself wondering about that and like how did they repurpose this guy and why and Yeah, not a lot of development in this movie now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Why is he like kind of uh he's like a combination of C3PO and Chewbacca? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He's the big, tall, strong robot with the comedy relief, but also he'll pull your arms off. Right. And he's beholden to, again, I'm so horrible. We should have looked up the names of the characters here, but the Inigo Montoya guy, <laughs> <laughs> the guy you kept referring to as Inigo Montoya, <laughs> um, who's, I believe, a Spanish actor. 
I think his name is Diego Luna. And I've seen him in something before, but I forget. Andor. So Andor and uh, this robot seem to have some sort of connection, but again, it's... Captain Cassian. Captain Cassian? Captain Cassian, yeah, sorry. Or Andor. Captain Cassian Andor? I don't know. It says Andor as well. Yeah, um, there, there seemed to be some sort of connection between him and the robot because the robot, like, follow. Clearly, my first guess would be that he's the one that repurposed the robot. I would imagine so. Right? Maybe. Yeah. He's the one that repurposed it. Mm hmm. And he was, again, potentially very interesting because they seem to sort of suggest that this was a guy that was one of the good guys but was kind of used to doing a lot of dirty work. Right. Like he's, he's, he has blood on his hands. They established He's essentially that? Han Solo. Yeah, but like, like a sadder one, though. A little bit, yeah. He's kind of a hardened, like I've been fighting this war since I was six. Mm-hmm. He's less, less playful about it. Right. Yeah. In fact, there was nothing really cheerful about him. No. But um, he's kind of the guy that's just been used to do the things that are necessary for so long. Right. So they established that at the beginning where he kind of shoots that dude in the back. That's kind of used as a menacing kind of callback to, oh, is he going to shoot Matt Mickelson in the head or not? Mm -hmm. We clearly know he's not going to do it. But again... A missing piece there of character development like where I'm not sure why like I feel like that would have been interesting to know yeah yeah they're all very um, there wasn't much character development at all little flashbacks maybe would have done it yeah which, which were done completely in the worst possible way in Suicide Squad mm. yeah but here we might have wanted to see maybe just a quick shot back to see where these guys came from where did that guy come from that, that, that like walking tank that was following Donnie Yen's character around. Baze Malbus. Baze Malbus, that's the, the character's name? I think so. Is that him? No. Uh, yes, that's him. Oh, no, it's... Uh, that's Baze Malbus is a character, right? So, Jan Wing. So, there was that sort of strange uh, idea of how these characters meet, right? They're kind of just sitting there. Yeah. And he's reading palms... Which, okay, that part works. He's just like a blind monk who's hanging around. Some For some reason, tolerated, even though he's tied to the forest. And they've otherwise gutted and pillaged this Jedi temple, which I think is what this was. Right. But then there's this arsenal dude sitting behind him that everyone just seems to be okay with. And like, they literally show Dan Yen sitting on the rock, reading palms, and then the guys in the back, like, fully armed. Yeah. Doing well, what? they said that they they were both defending the temple, and now that the temple has kind of fallen, there's nothing for them to do. But they're allowed they're just, to. Just causing around. trouble. Right. Yeah. Again, solved in a sentence. Yeah. And I really need to know why mm. I should either like or dislike these guys, apart yeah. from the fact that they're likable. Mm -hmm. Right. And whenever you see a guy with a big gun, you know there's going to be a scene where like he locks and loads and. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah. This far, no further. That's it. I don't know. Again, I found myself wanting to know. Hmm. When I first saw the pictures of these characters and the first pictures that came out of the movie, right? I was like, is he a Mandalorian? He kind of looks Mandalorian. Hmm. This could be kind of cool. He's too old to be Boba Fett. But is there a connection? 
Right. And then nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really think about it in those terms while I was watching it, but yeah. They all just seem to be sort of caricatures of things that seem somewhat familiar, and then let's let's dispense with the backstory you, you get what these guys are about. Right. Let's move forward. Yeah, again, we're back to this idea of the passable movie formula. Right. Where uh, they don't really need to feel the need to do the work on certain things. They just give people throwaway lines. Mm-hmm. Like, I am one with the Force. The Force is in me. And, okay, you're the Force guy. That's benevolent. Yeah, exactly. We shouldn't go there. You're Yoda, but you can't use the Force. Right. Okay. And you're sad Han Solo. Sad Han Solo. <laughs> you're, uh, you're like a renegade Leia. You're just essentially... Slash Padme. I just found she was exactly like Rey. Right. Exactly, yeah. Like, like, oh, we've already done the character development on Rey, so we might as well just... Let's do this again. She's just perfect in every way, and she has no flaws, and everyone follows her immediately for no reason. Right. Because she's amazing. It, exactly. We're not exactly sure why. She's just running the place immediately, as soon as she shows up. She's getting, like, to pull rank and talk and yell over these, like, guys who are actually committing their worlds right. to the rebellion <laughs> and risking billions of lives that's it by confronting but she gets to like shout him down like we fight we fight and like and it, it was almost funny because inadvertently in the dialogue some of the other people around the table were like who the fuck is this chick <laughs> yeah, exactly. who are you and then there's like just like a bunch of voices off camera that are just kind of like let her let her talk yeah, let her talk yeah <laughs> okay all right all right. For some reason, you're the boss now. Welcome. Welcome. What, what should we do? Do this and then do that and do the other. Oh thing. no, we're too afraid. Yeah, we're not gonna do that. We can't do that. Again. Then everyone shows up and's like, we're gonna do that. Again, we don't know why she's in and out of prisons or why she was at a labor camp, right? Hmm. Like, why? Why was she there? What was she doing there? Um, she was fighting. The Empire? She was smuggling? What was she doing? Who knows? It's not like knowing. We'll never know. We'll never know. We need a prequel. <laughs> a prequel to this. Yeah, again, it feels like a bunch of things were missing, a lot of pieces. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the good things here. So some of yeah. the cool stuff. I don't want to poo-poo all over it. Yeah. So, the the crystal thing was kind of cool. Yeah. Did I, did I, did we understand that correctly? Yeah, they were using, they were... Was it that they were mining for the crystal yeah. for the Death Star, and that they use the same crystal that they use in the lightsabers? Right. Kyber, Kyber crystals are pretty much known, ca canon as being components. Mm -hmm. So that was a cool tie-in. Yeah. Uh, it suggests some very interesting ideas that they'll never be able to explore, but it does suggest... It would make sense if... Vader had somehow suggested this, or the Emperor actually would have known. Yeah, that the that that the um, I think yeah, I think I would have been more comfortable with the with some Emperor shit than some Vader stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where was the Emperor? Nothing. Especially if they're completing his like super weapon. Yeah, and you even uh, I think the character uh, the 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 bad guy even mentions it is like you think he would be here for his. The demonstration of his super weapon, right? And I don't see how that was not feasible. We're used to shitty hologram, um, emperor kind of like, is it complete? 
what is your progress? Don't make me send Lord Vader. <laughs> you know, or something to that effect. Um, it, it It's strange. He definitely seemed like if anyone, that that's the guy that should have shown up for the party. Yeah, maybe. So the crystal thing was cool. Certainly the main spoiler, I guess, of this movie is this kind of solving of the oldest sort of plot hole joke of the Star Wars saga is like how did this super weapon have this very silly flaw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So from that standpoint, that was cool. I thought that was pretty cool. But the guy went along with it. Again, once again, I'm like, that's the story I would have loved rather see. I think I would have, that would almost have been a better story to some extent. Hmm. This engineer being forced and then him playing along because he wants to save the Empire. And not sure that would have been in film, but again, that story would have... It seems to me pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. I would like to have seen more of it mm. as how he goes day to day for like 20 years. He's fucking over the Empire while sort of on the paper giving them what they want. And that's pretty cool. That is. I kept thinking about the family guy, like Spoof, when uh, Stewie is like Vader. Right. And they're like, well, it's a perfect weapon except this little porthole... <laughs> Well, like, can we board it up or something? Or... <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, we can get an estimate. Yeah, okay, never mind. Like, <laughs> we don't have the budget for it or something. So that that was cool. Uh, I think that was pretty cool. But again, a bit hollow. I don't know. It's. It, it, I think you were, you nailed it on the head when you said it was kind of like a, a thrill ride. Yeah, a roller coaster in space. Yeah. And they hit all the right notes. Mm-hmm. The look of it was familiar. You can't look that too deep into it. Yeah. It yeah, was I don't, I don't fun think for what it was sort of thing. I think this movie would have really confused the shit of people had it come out before Force Awakens. I think then it would have been really odd. Yeah. Now that we kind of like, oh, well, anyway, the legacy is still secure because they're back on the path. Yeah, they had to do that first. But um, I don't know. I guess we'll see where this goes. I mean, this is over. It kind of. Yeah, I don't. I think this is like a. It's a one-off. Yeah, it had. It had to be. Yeah. So for me, definitely, like uh, for what it is, I'd say a good seven on ten. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Definitely would recommend. And you know, if this opens up, sort of, uh, I think, and it's already in the plans. There's obviously an appetite for more stories out of this universe so i mean like they're doing the han han solo yeah thing. which i have the same exact feeling about it as i do with rogue one it's like nobody wants to hear the story i think it's something like everybody wonders would be cool but now you what you're doing is you're now you're really playing with like a canon piece right again another playing with fire for sure I mean, it could be done really well or it could be done really poorly. Again, I don't see how they do that without Harrison Ford. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, the I think that was one of the compliments of the, towards the prequels is they didn't touch Solo. Hmm. There was Everyone was terrified that a kid Solo would come along. <laughs> and he'd be a little troublemaker wherever he was. Oh, Jesus. And, and, that would have been horrible. And say things like, uh, I'd have a good feeling about it. Like, pop off all the lines. Oh, God. 
like his mom saying, I love you, Han. I know. Because <laughs> he's running outside with his his toy Millennium Falcon. No, that would be so bad. <laughs> but you can see how that would could have happened very easily. Yeah, yeah. It so it's like we dodged that bullet, but now somebody wants to revisit that. And I don't know why. Mm. Especially since Awakens seems to have like said, okay, nod to the old, on with the next chapter. Right. But now we're getting these callback movies. Huh. I don't know. We'll see. I won't judge ahead of time, but I, I agree. Like it, it raises an eyebrow for me too. They'll get our money. Let's 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 not fool ourselves. Yeah. Let's not play hard to get. We'll definitely buy a ticket. In two D, however. Two D. So that's it. That's our sort of half hearted <laughs> review. I think so, yeah. I didn't have anything like uh nothing really upset me. Yeah, nothing stuck out. Nothing no. nothing was incredible. Yeah. No, it was fun for what it was. And uh action packed. Don't take your four year old kid to the movie. Oh my god, yeah. There was like a bunch of kids there. Yeah. Babies. Yeah. Just going like, What's going on? What's that? Why is it Mr. Sad? <laughs> Why is it Mr. Happy? Are they in jail? Are they in jail? What kind is of Is that R two D two? Yeah. Yeah, like uh Definitely not one for the kids. So this is Rogue One review. Hot and fresh. Uh, go see it. It's a good time. Absolutely. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Fire in the rogue. <laughs> Fire in the rogue. Rogue in the hole. <laughs> <laughs>